Hello, and this is Edgar Papke. Uh, good morning. This is Ken Sagendorf. Welcome to the True Alignment Podcast, where we talk about all things alignment. All things alignment coming to you live from the um, Innovation Center at Anderson College of Business and Computing at Regis University in beautiful downtown Denver. Welcome to the conversation. Yeah, excited to have this one today, Edgar. Yes. So uh, what are we talking about when all things fail? What do we talk about the weather? The weather. You know, it was. I have to share with you that when, when, you, when you texted me, like, let's talk about this on Monday, immediately um, I'm at that point in my life where I can feel myself age, like in the things that I say. And I remember when my grandfather got older, the only thing that he seemed to want to talk about was the weather. And that's kind of interesting. Right, he yeah. he had moved down to Florida from. So you're telling me I'm getting really older. Your well, own excitement. I, I'm feeling that. like getting really old, right? <laughs> I mean, this is the. I mean, we're in this, we're in this run, and I was just in uh, Washington D.C. at a conference uh, at Georgetown University last week, and and then in Seattle, and you know, and Washington D.C. was like oppressive. Oh yeah. Oppressive with the humidity. Oh yeah, and then there was just something I I caught wind of on the on the uh, internet about. Uh, the uh, the level of of the, the level of effect that humidity and heat in combination have on the physical well being, and I'm thinking to myself, you know, here with the climate crisis, um, I'm thinking, holy cow, what are all the other ripple effects of what we're going to undergo as we go forward through this? It's just absolutely amazing. Yeah, yeah. Talking about the weather. We're talking about the weather. And, 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 you know, I guess, uh, you know, we're talking about the weather, but we want to talk about it in kind of a, a, a grand perspective. Cause, yeah. Because we do, we do want to talk about climate. And, and, we, and we, of course, we're going we're gonna to bring it back to alignment. Always. That's, that's what life. True Alignment Podcast. <laughs> that's what life is about, isn't it? Yeah, always. Alignment. The, um, yeah, there's, there's uh, and, and then you travel to the West Coast. How was the weather there? Well, it's funny because, you know, when we got there, people are like, oh, this is really hot. And, it, you know, it was like 80. Uh-huh. Like, this isn't actually really hot. Yeah. Yeah. What are you used to? And then it's record-breaking temperatures all over the place and heat wave. And, and uh, just today, a realization that there's going to be another, apparently another wave like this coming through. It's just absolutely amazing. And, um, yeah, it's it's taken a lot out of people, isn't it? It is, you know, here, I mean, uh, last year, given your situation with the uh, Marshall fire, yeah. um, and, and, you know, fear of, of, of losing your home and, you know, neighboring neighborhoods, uh, burning down, you know, we have this fear of the, of the forest fires out here in Colorado. Yes, we do. Uh, because we're so dry, mm-hmm. um, and, and just exacerbated now that we're running, I don't know how many days in the nineties in a row and. Um, pushing 100 and breaking our temperature records over and over and over. Yeah. But that's been the main news story this last few weeks here in the United States. Yeah, and I do think that as a result of what's happening, I don't know if we are talking about it enough, about just the mental health side of things and the stress and anxiety that comes with this. Um, There is just the fear of the future, uh, people with children and grandchildren and what what is it all going to look like and what is our ability and and this is part of the conversation that we started before we came on the air which is that if you if you think about what we're doing 
and the idea of how do we create sustainability within the environment that we've created and are still contributing to as human beings. Wow. It, it just, it, it, this idea of just now moving to a place of trying to innovate and create technology and different ways of coming at it to be able to sustain life. Well, we're watching that conversation change, right, Edgar? I, yes. I mean, I you you had two words, um, two two words in that one of those phrases there, and one was that we've um, created and continue to contribute to, right? So this has been some of the, you know, what has become hyper politicized. It has conversation about climate change is that, you know, whether or not we are responsible for this. Yeah. So as, as I unpack it, I look all the way back to the 1970s when I was a teenager high school and the conversation was already there. We were already talking about pollution. We were talking about air pollution, talking about CO2. We we're talking about the damage to the atmosphere. It was already there. And we know that the research into, into climate change goes even further back and I just think about that as a marker that at that point now we're half a century half a century later still having a just actually a just more heightened um, energetic conversation about one that was started over half a century ago and our total lack of alignment around this of coming together and an understanding and agreement what's going on now we know now that more and more people have moved from a place of denying climate change to now at least recognizing it, and the conversation has shifted from the pushback to now what are we going to do with it and how are we going to manage this going forward. And then you can see the lack of alignment, as you just referred to, even how politically charged it has been. And now that political charge is showing up in the ripple effect through different, through different ways when we start thinking about what's happening, that one person in the Senate is holding up or, or becomes the centerpiece and is actually in a form of denial and resistance to change or innovation resulting from an absolute necessity for, man, for humankind. So I want to talk about a couple things uh, related to that point. Is, is one, I want to talk about the length of time mm-hmm. that we can be in levels of misalignment. And, and we're talking on multiple levels here. We're talking kind of, you know, personal, political, and then I want to always talk about kind of the business perspective. And so you mentioned, you know, the 1950s. So now we're talking about, you know, 70 years mm-hmm. uh, of, of, a, of a growing conversation. And now just kind of, because it has become so personal with the heat waves here in the U.S. and in Europe, um, the conversations have have changed slightly. So there's not um, there's less and less climate denial, climate deniers, um, more acceptance. Um, but there's also there's there's choice in here, Edgar, and I, you know, the misalignments come from a lack of clarity about where those choices are made. I mean, I shared with you that I just got back from a conference in Washington, D.C. at Georgetown University, which was the International Association of Jesuit Business Schools. And my colleagues and I, um, some wonderful colleagues, started uh, something called Global Movement. 
And that really is a, a move to get business education around the planet to have a conversation about teaching business differently. Um, you know, right now that we, you know, we by and far teach a um, kind of a bastardized version of Milton Friedman economics where what is heard is to make profit at all costs. Right? I mean, and we've seen, we've seen some very um, publicly open conversations, right? I mean, we had uh, Nike of the Nike of the late 80s, early 90s, that once they found out that they were using child labor, slave labor, effectively, to uh, produce their product, um, they, they came under uh, a brutal microscope. Um, that was, uh, whether inadvertently or not, um, they turned the other, they turned to look the other way uh -huh. to have children producing their product because they could do it less expensively and make more profit for that company. And we've seen company after company, um, run into these kind of similar things, um, because there has been a greening movement. I mean, people want to talk about themselves as sustainable. Yeah. But or make it part of their strategy or at least have an outward appearance to it when not in alignment in their behavior to it. Yeah. So, you know, we were presenting some of our research and we're talking to people. Um, we're, we're, we're talking to people that are sustainability leaders, students in higher education, business schools, deans, academic deans, but we're also doing a scrub of all of the trade journals, academic publications, mm -hmm. uh, popular press about how the conversation has changed about this. And, and we do believe that there's a general sense now. I mean, in some of the, some of the information we present is that, you know, once upon a time, the scientists had said, if we get to this level, if we get to this level of parts per million, in the atmosphere, like we have reached an unforgivable spot right. and we've well passed that level. Right. I mean, that was something out in the future. Um, and yeah. The conversation, like I, uh, you know, like I said, I think, yeah, the conversation has shifted from one of combating climate change to one of managing it. So businesses can be successful. People can be successful. Mm -hmm. Um, in, in levels of misalignment. Talk to me a little bit about that. Well, just like any relationship, we continue that there's conflict, or there's misalignment, and we don't address it. And um, it, it happens in business every day. I mean, we do know that one of the great barriers to innovation and growth in business is a lack of alignment in strategy and strategic thinking. And this is just a, a big picture failure of alignment in the, from a st strategic perspective. Um, so we look at levels of alignment just like we do in terms of leaders being able to comprehend and understand the different levels of alignment that occur around them. One is the global level, right? So we look at climate change through that global lens. You can see um, how there is an overall messaging and understanding of what's necessary, yet uh, no one's really accomplishing what needs to what needs to get done. So you can have a global misalignment. Then, of course, you can take that to the next level from a community or organizational alignment standpoint. And so you're willing, there's a, and your ethical question is a really good one, which is, are we in line with the values and beliefs that we actually uh, articulate and convey and put out into the world? And are we behaving in alignment to that? And is that well understood? And then in a business perspective, that misalignment can be carried forward in a lot of different ways. And I would suggest that this is one of the bigger strategic elements that has been out of alignment now for a long time. 
and which is how do we behave and uh, how do we innovate and what's the purpose of innovation? Is it just to drive a bottom line? Is the purpose of innovation truly in the purest sense of business is to bring a product or service to market that provides value to the to the customer, to the consumer? Yeah. And we, we, we push that a little bit further here at Regis in our business school to say, you know, that creates value for um, the customer, the business, and society. Yeah. The social, the social uh, element of it, which at the end of the day is is the collective of individuals, and then what's the expectation that we create in business to have its leadership, as well as employees, members of organizations, live in alignment, and what do organizations provide to their people that creates an alignment to um, their contribution towards the better management of, of our globe, of, of our earth. And this has been an ongoing conflict, which then reminds us that every conflict is a, is a, at the source is a misalignment, which then reminds us that every conflict is an opportunity and that opportunity to innovate. What's interesting to me about what happens in the business realm is that that innovation is such a key competitive element we see it as, as a just a just a fundamental competitive element. This natural ongoing innovation we engage in. Where are the opportunities and how do we use it, and then how do we move it forward? And there's a simple reminder here: if you want to talk about market capital and you want to talk about profitability, you want to talk about the value of innovating and taking on the toughest problems. All you have to do is look at a business that is now, as of July. Uh, close to $850 billion valued business, Tesla. And how far behind the alignment of the rest of the automotive industry is worldwide, let alone in the United States. How far behind and what a tremendous lack of alignment there is to the opportunity. And I think that so often in business, we don't, we talk about alignment strategically. We talk about relationship alignment. We do. We have a lot of this conversation here. But really, what is the alignment to the opportunity? Do you see the opportunity on the horizon? What What's there right in front of you that you can, quote, unquote, capitalize on? Yeah. So I'm going to bring the movie reference in a little early this week um, because it's going to uh, – Precede yeah. my question. Is I there a scene where Henry Ford uh, and his <laughs> and his HR reps beating up people on a bridge? No, there's uh, a wonderful documentary going uh, going around um, about the um, the men who built America. Yeah, we which talked is a, all few, automobile a couple of weeks or so that we talked about Elon Musk <laughs> and Ford and the well, comparisons yeah. of Henry and Elon. You know, I'm trying not to hang my head because I, your point is well taken about uh, Tesla's move. I'm just so excited. Musk, Musk and Ford are both four letter words. Yeah, indeed, indeed. <laughs> um, the uh, so the movie reference of the week is is Wag the Dog. Yeah. <laughs> so this is going way back, but this is it is. Here's why I bring this one up. Uh, you know, Wag the Dog is um, is it De Niro and Hoffman? Uh, Woody Harrelson is in there, um, and basically they're hired to create a fake um, war and hero to take the attention of the American public and move it off of, of something scandalous. Yes. So, um, which never really has been done before. (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. Uh, I will leave that one alone. That's a little bit of a, a third rail conversation given all of our January 6th uh, hearings and whatnot. Um, 
So uh, here's here's the question coming out of that, because um, and and let me lay down some tracks. So in our consulting work, one of the things that I love that we do differently with the True Alignment Framework is we don't come into an organization and talk uh, how most people talk about strategy and leadership in terms of what's your mission, vision, values, right? Those big three, that seems to be an anchor point. Many consultants come in and say, let's get this, let's get this part clear. Yeah. And then they work backwards from that. Instead, we do, um, you know, what's the emotional need that your customers have and want met? The ultimate uh, end goal. And then, you know, typically we get into a conversation about mission somewhere along the line uh, when we introduce the framework. Mm-hmm. And uh, often, in my experience, the conversation we get into was, oh, our mission isn't really what we want it to be. Right. right? There's a little adjustment to the yeah. mission or the words don't quite have the grasp that they want them to um, after we start talking with the true alignment framework. But, you know, many organizations, regardless of, of things, have a consistent wag the dog scenario where there's something new that has popped up that brings their attention away from the main thing. You know, I had a former boss who always said, you know, keep the main thing, the main thing. That's really hard. It's hard personally. It's hard professionally. It's hard for an organization. So, so Edgar, I think climate is one of those conversations that so many organizations say this is important until something has drawn their attention away to something else. And, and, you know, my question to you is, what's changed now? What's changed with this maintenance of misalignments where the conversation has changed and now we have to do something about it? What's, what's changed? Is this not just another wag the dog moment? What, what's different now that, that people, more people are having this conversation? Recognition. Mm-hmm. You know, change. The external, we've talked about this here on the podcast too, the, that's the external, external condition, the environment, the, your, um, your context changes. And then you need to be able to move through it, which is psychologically your reorientation to that change. And when you look at it, you know, <coughs> denial, and then there's the recognition, mo- moment of recognition. And, and what's interesting about the recognition is I can even go back and use denial as my form of resistance to what's going on, the reality of the, this is a reality of change that's, that's being now recognized at a more significant level. And with recognition, typically what I find, and, and this is also what we work with leaders on, is that people head pretty much in two directions. One is uh, they, they push back on it and they resist. And the other one is that people look at it as a moment of opportunity and exploration to say, okay, I recognize there's a change here. I've got to move forward. Either way, there's going to be some grappling. There's going to be some letting go. There's going to be a sense of loss or of giving up, giving something up. And I don't mean giving up like I'm quitting. Right. I mean letting. Let, let's transition transition the language to letting go. That means I have to let go of something to move forward, and that is really really difficult to do, especially when you're in a business and you're looking at revenue, you're looking at profitability, and the elements that that um, uh, influence that and what I may have to let go of. 
So I think we're at a we're at a place of recognition. Now here's the here's what I find fundamental to great leadership is that great leaders see that moment they seize that moment they see it and they seize that moment as the opportunity and they move people to exploration. And then the conversation of innovation shows up as to what's possible. Yeah, there's this game even in sales about let's let's identify the pain. You know, the grappling with the loss, the pain that's going to that's going to occur. I, I don't know if we always have to wait for that. Uh, apparently, as human beings, we have a re- reluctancy to do anything till sometimes the pain becomes so great that we actually do something about it. You can ask physicians about this yeah. one. It, yeah, this this is the opportunistic moment, and and the opportunity goes back over half a century, and yet in in the recognition or denial to recognition phase of of, of transition and change, there's been this uh, this, uh, this this resistance and pushback or an inability for us to let go of some things and really create some real change in our lives. And you and I, I think we 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 have as a foundation to our thinking that at the end of it, much like mental health, you know, business is where it's at. Business is where it's at. So fundamentally speaking, business leaders in business, even at a small business level, have what I would suggest to you now moving forward is a true, true responsibility to take an active part in exploring the necessary change. Including if you have a fleet of five vehicles. How well are those maintained? How are those maintained? Are they all trucks that are kicking out high levels of pollution, or are you doing something about it? Um, and it, it, there's a lot of great excuses to not doing anything, which is what people that are struggling with change do. They create yeah. excuses for not creating the change, to hold on to what they have, and uh, there's so much funding and there's so much available to business leaders, especially at a small, medium-sized business level that's available to them and resources that they can put into innovating or creating change. Yeah. And exploring what's possible from a revenue and profitability standpoint along with it. The the two are not exclusive. In fact, I would suggest to you that seeking that kind of alignment in terms of how you're utilizing resources to drive your business success. I mean, that's just pure business sense. Well, and, and, you know, Edgar, this is, um, this is why I'm both. Uh, this is why I both love the alignment framework, um, and I might even say that I'm in love with it because it is, it is an action orientation. And and I, and I think part of the conversation around um, global warming, sustainability issues, is is all kinds of tangled with how those pain points, right? How difficult it is, um, how it's not convenient. Um, a, a myriad of factors it's easier to do it this way because it's a known thing as opposed to the exploration um, to that conversation and I think that that is um, that that's one thing that's always boggled me because I think a lot of the sustainability conversation is just well do something different and and I don't think we ever really get into a conversation about you know, personally, what does that mean? Personally, what does it mean for, for an organization? What does that mean? I mean, you, you mentioned the, if you have a fleet of five trucks, how do you have a different conversation? 
you know, my uh, mom was the uh, transportation supervisor for a very large school district. And, and you know, the, yeah. here you have a large collection of, of, of diesel buses that cost a lot of money. And, you know, they had done an experiment coming out of the 70s and 80s with propane, um, propane-powered um, school buses. And, and they gave up on that eventually and went back to just all diesel buses. Um, but, you know, the com- and, and largely it was we might not have the right talent to keep them running. Um, opportunity. We, we might we might not have the the same power that we had once with with an internal combustion en- engine on diesel. Um, there were all kinds of conversations. The you know the logistics of getting the propane and having propane filling stations, etc. Like uh, all of those logistics are there, but they're just logistics. But it's not. I decide today. I do it tomorrow. Like there's something in the middle of that change. And, you know, I think that's part of the human experience is that um, because often, you know, often sustainability becomes becomes a moral conversation. I mean, this is why it gets politicized. Right. Because now we have uh, I'm, I'm betting my morals against your morals. So if you think the planet's going to die, um, you, you know, you you alluded to him with let's just call him out by name. Joe Manchin says people in West Virginia aren't going to work. Um, I might happen to have stake in those companies in my family, but most most likely people aren't going, they're going to be out of work. So that's a more important moral question than this one that the, the planet's going to die as we walk on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oversimplified yet real is the simple idea of that's the case and that's the problem that needs to be solved. So how do we innovate? And at the same time, we know that innovation creates opportunities for people to to work, to, to make a living, and in a lot of instances, a better one than before. It's not always a matter of moving back. It's, it's a matter of understanding what forward movement looks like. Yeah. And there's something about exploration that I think is key to this. You know, where, where's the gap? I think uh, when we think about exploration, we think about and we articulate, we create a desired future state that we all um, can see, that we, uh, that we can envision. Talk about visioning. It's a desired future state, which is the definition that we use when we work with organizations. So what's your desired future state? What does that look like? And then uh, what's your path to getting there? So the exploration is one that's very action-oriented. Like we like to say, uh, assess, align, and act. Right. So you, the action element needs to be, to be there and, and you know, we talk about roadmaps all the time in business. We talk about how it is that we move people forward. That's what it is. It, it, it Yeah, at times it's difficult. It's very challenging. And yet the simple truth is that's what it's going to take. Because yeah. for us to, and what I find really interesting about business and the idea of managing and managing change is that so often it's about getting people's you know commitment. We work at getting their commitment. Well, how do you see commitment is that people are actually doing it. You're not going to get commitment. Really, real commitment comes through exploration. Uh, I can talk to him blue in the face to try and get you to do something unless you decide that it's really in your benefit. And and we're talking here about something that's in a global benefit. Individual, here's a thread of alignment from each individual to a global benefit, this challenge of climate change. 
So if you're doing the math at home, the biggest people entering the workforce or already in the workforce are that millennial and Gen Z. This is the opportunity. And they want this. They, they believe in it. They want it. They're challenging. I mean, this is, you know, one of those um, underlying factors in the great resignation is people are leaving because the, um, what they believe in isn't matched by their organization. But, you know, you mentioned that, that kind of three-step, the align, assess, and act. You know, that movement from assessment to alignment, that's the execution. That's the getting into the exploration and, and supporting that's that. The, that's the execution of the exploration and planning, call it what you like, ideation, innovation. We're really talking here about innovation, create, creating change. And as we like to say, um, uh, 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 sustaining that's about surviving change. We're talking here about creating change, yeah. which is what innovation is about. Well, and I, you know, I, I'm going to give Ken's personal plug here that if you're a leader, um, change is about more than an invitation. You know, we used to have this conversation with some colleagues and I that, um, <laughs> uh, you know, in the old cranky language, people would say, why hasn't anybody RSVP'd to this? And I would always get them into a conversation <laughs> about, what is the purpose of offering an invitation? Is it to get people to respond? Or is it about you offering an invitation? Yeah, is it getting them to respond or is it get more, more about getting them to show up? Well, I, I mean, I think there's all of those conversations, but what you do versus what other people do is, is not always in alignment. And so, you know, I, I think it's more, a leader has to do more than invite people to exploration. You, ha- you have to create those conditions and you have to model it. And, and that part of the execution just takes a tremendous amount of time. But you know, part of our research we presented at this conference was in terms of, of climate change, um, there's a growing uh, belief that this is real. Yes. That if we don't do something, it'll be dire. Mm-hmm. The change we, we feel isn't taking place at a fast enough rate. Um for us to make a difference, especially in terms of, uh, of the business education that we offer. But that execution, that movement from assessing to aligning, that movement to exploration, to innovation, that's an active thing. It is not a passive invitation. It is not declaring it today and doing business as usual. It is doing something different. And so what, what would your advice be to a leader who is, is really concerned about climate change and the organization's role in, in contributing to that or lessening the impact of, and, and what should a leader do to move from that assessment to alignment, to that exploration, to that innovation? Start the conversation, yeah. period. I, I know it sounds just kind of, that's, that's what it's about. Start the conversation, set a direction, so to begin to have the conversation about the future state and what it can look like and what your organization's contribution to that is going to be and how you, the expectation is then put in motion that there is a, um, uh, a commitment and a contribution from every person in, in the organization to help the organization move in that direction. And you said something really powerful, which is the conversations can take time what I would suggest to you, and we see this happening with great teams, that the conversations pick up velocity, they pick up speed, they become more transparent, they become more open and honest and more truthful the more we practice that conversation. 
So yeah. at first, yeah, at first it's a little tricky. It's like, a, you know, you start by dating, then you get to know each other. <laughs> then you've got to get over the difficult conversations. And those conversations take a while to bring to the table and they take a while to, 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 to work through. And what happens is they, they could even become more difficult. And you just you realize that you get better and better and better at those conversations. I think that's what it's about. And we still haven't. And we could blame leaders for this. We could say, we don't have the right leaders in place. They're not competent enough. They're not good enough. Really what's lacking is uh, it's they're playing the game of this way or that way as opposed to let's have a real conversation to find out what the right problems are that need to be solved. And that in itself, as we know because we teach that to leaders and organizations, that's the necessity. And so the, necess- the necessity here is for conversation, for dialogue, and for people to, uh, to be invited uh, so they show up to those conversations in a real way. Yeah, so interesting you say that necessity for dialogue. I, I mean, we, you and I, we talk a lot about how this is, you know, missing in in our um, kind of social networks, but also especially in an organization. Uh, and as the remote remote work issues um, continue, this this idea of what do we do with dialogue? You and I are working with an organization, and we know. I mean, we did this with the with the C-level leaders over a conversation over an extended period of time mm-hmm. so that they could practice it, um, right? I mean, in that dating analogy of, of meeting somebody and beginning to date them and how you grow into the, the comfort of these conversations, even the difficult parts, um, this is not a one-and-done thing, Edgar. This is a continued dialogue, um, a continued conversation. It's not I go into one meeting, I've set a new direction, and everybody goes off and does something different. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, for myself, I realized that amongst the people that I'm leading, we need more dialogue because the conversation is, we don't think this is a problem. We should just keep continuing to do what we do. And I think in terms of, of, of climate change, that's, that's deadly. It I, is. I mean, I hate to be so literal, but mm-hmm. you know, it's not, um, it might not be death of you as an individual tomorrow but the planet's dying as we live on it and if we don't change and that's a it's a long conversation as we started with it really is and it reminds us that the ongoing conversation of business just like it is of life is alignment whether it's with others the people around you or yourself well there's a lot more to be talked about here than uh, going to plant a seed for the future here is that what is uh, all of this have an effect on um, our well-being and what's the what's the charge of well-being to business and mental health too which is all a part of this because there's no way of denying that this isn't influencing how people think act and how they feel about their work and what they're doing yeah so with that we welcome you as always to the conversation your feedback your thoughts comments questions anything at all at info at truealignment.com we hope to hear from you um, and we thank all of you out there that uh, that listen to this every week um, and we'll see you next time around and and if you'd like to be a guest if you'd like yeah. to be a guest in this conversation about alignment about all things alignment um, again contact us info at truealignment.com Wish you all the best until next time around. I'm Edgar Papke. I'm Ken Sagendorf. Thanks, everybody.